Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Risk with Dr. Naveen Agarwal. Each week we talk about a topic related to risk management of medical devices in a very casual and informal way. This is not a webinar or lecture, rather our goal is to talk about key topics and challenges in a very informal way and share best practices. I'm your host Naveen Agarwal and I'm the principal and founder at Achieve where my personal mission is to help you achieve success in risk management. My guest in this episode is Rick Rios. Rick has many years of experience auditing quality management systems in the medical device industry. The focus of our conversation is on effectiveness of the risk management process. In this discussion, Rick shares how clearly defining the purpose in each standard operating procedure can help you understand the measures for effectiveness and evaluate the effectiveness of that specific process. We had this discussion in front of a live audience as part of our LinkedIn live audio series. You're about to hear a recording of our conversation. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today, I'm super, super excited to welcome Rick Rios once again. Rick has been a guest on this uh, conversation before. He has enormous experience in the field of audits, quality management system, risk management processes and systems. So I've been very curious about one question that uh, I want to discuss today with Rick is, you know, how do we actually, as auditors, how do we actually examine our risk management process or the risk management system? And how do we measure effectiveness of that process? Uh, This has been a question in my mind for quite a while now, and there is no better person to discuss this uh, than Rick Rios. So, Rick, with that, I want to welcome you once again. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm back, guys. Uh, I'll be back till I get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, these are these are topics, uh, big topics, and um, this is not like a one-time deal that we talk about. This, so right. Rick, I'm really happy to have you once again, but I know there's a lot of people, new people in the audience who may not know you, so if you could just uh, introduce yourself briefly, uh, that'll be great. Great. So um, my name is Rick Rios. I hail from and live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am a degreed engineer. Uh, many, many years ago, I got that degree. I have been uh, uh, the, the important stuff. Uh, I'm a I'm happily married for 40 years. This month, I'm the 22nd. Nice, nice, years. awesome. Uh, four adult children, nine grandchildren. Uh, that's the important stuff. The boring stuff, career-wise, I'm an engineer. And I've been in the medical device industry now for over 15 years. I particular, my whole career is around quality and regulatory. And uh, and and so I do two, three things. Uh, I do audits, I do training in quality and regulatory, and I do uh, fixes, I remediation work in that. And so um, I see a lot of systems and a lot of great systems, and I see some systems that aren't so great. And I'd like to share some of those thoughts with you in this conversation that we're going to have together uh, this morning on a very particular subject, risk management. That's awesome, Rick. First, congratulations on uh, celebrating your anniversary today. Nothing Thank like you. nothing like family, and I can only imagine uh, the fun you guys have on Thanksgiving with uh, so so many family members getting together. Yes. So, so that, that's yeah. just awesome. So, Rick, let's let's get started. First, I think I want um, everybody to understand just the audit process in general in the medical industry, quality management audit, and how does um, like how does an auditor start to look at the risk management process itself? So 
So, first of all, we have to recognize that uh, in today's world, that the audit, auditing, and the uh, how we audit and and, and is evolving mm-hmm. uh, because there were changes in the regulations. For example, uh, ISO thirteen forty five twenty sixteen, which is the current state of the art standard, was changed, uh, and it's going to be changed again. Uh, MDSAP came into being, and MDSAP really caused a major shift in how we audit because MDSAP forced the auditors to go to a process approach audit. Mm-hmm. And then and then we have EUMDR, which is a much stronger regulation, and it uh, really widened the scope of the audit to add regulatory and clinical, uh, and then it, there's a huge emphasis on risk. So now the auditors are moving forward, uh, and not all, auditor, all auditors have caught on to this, uh, that we need to be doing a risk-based process approach audit. <laughs> and so that's totally different than an element-based audit. For example, not the standard calls that you have to have procedure, you have procedure check. And that's, that's basically the depth, of, almost, if you will. But a, but a process-based audit is lets you go out of scope. For example, risk management. <laughs> Let's say I'm going to talk to risk management. In play in that audit is now design, <laughs> uh, clinical, post-market surveillance, anything connected to risk that there's information passed through input and output is now part of the audit planning and structure. So we call that, what well, we say, title says risk management, we will go out of scope, meaning that we as auditors now have the ability to ask questions to, to design and to clinical and to post-market service because they're involved in the risk process in some form or fashion. So that gives you a hint about the process approach, and then within those connectivities, if you will, is where the risk may lie. Got you, got you. So what I'm hearing you say is that you may not explicitly probe the risk management process, but through your, like during audit, you can pursue different aspects of risk management as it applies to different elements of your quality management system. Yeah, yeah, that is true. So one of the things that that is interesting to me and that I that that I uh, bump into all the time is the fact that we have what we call internal auditors uh-huh. and external auditors, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, internal auditors, that's you, you, which is called a first-party audit. That's you on yourself. Your internal audit program is auditing your your auditing yourself. Uh, external auditor could be a second-party audit, which means maybe you go into a, a supplier or the customer coming to you, and a third-party audit is. Auditors coming in with credential FDA or regulatory body coming in with credentials. Yeah. Uh, your notified body, right? Those uh-huh. are things. So the dilemma is from an external perspective, as an external auditor, which I am, uh, your internal audit should be ca- is should be really focused in ensuring that that the compliance issues are taken care of. Okay. As an external auditor, I'm not coming in to look for compliance issues. I'm coming in to look for the effectiveness of the system and its processes. And we and we have to recognize that if, as an external comes external auditor comes in and finds a bunch of non-compliance issues, non-conformances, if you will, it doesn't bode well for your internal audit program oh. because they should that that should have been caught. Got you. So that's like the basic expectation. But what I'm hearing you basic. say is the focus on effectiveness. So, Rick, say a little bit more about that. What does that mean, and how does an auditor evaluate effectiveness of the quality management or risk management process? Okay. So we'd have to go back to uh, the ISO standard and their definition of risk. 
if you go to the clarification of concepts in the ISO standard 1345, uh-huh. it says risk is defined in three categories. Uh, safe, the medical device has to be safe for intended use, has to have effective performance, and, the, and, and we have to meet all regulatory requirements, applicable regulatory requirements for that product. Yeah. So then we go, that's the definition of risk. So then we go and we then have all these processes, the quality management systems, but these processes are being defined in document in a ISO document, prescribed document called standard operating procedure. Uh-huh. And so we have the standard operating procedure. We have the CAFA procedure, for example. That's really, from an auditor's perspective, that's the CAFA process. That document should be telling us how the CAFA process works. Risk management. Well, it, that's a risk management process. Uh-huh. How that risk management process works should be defined and documented in that procedure. So the interesting part, though, here it is. Here, it's a very basic concept. The procedures that you have of all, everybody here in this, this audience has procedures. If we strip all the words and just look at the template, the categories that we're going to be putting information in, they all look the same across the medical device industry. Uh-huh. They might be in different places within number one versus number two, but it's the same. I want to focus on the word purpose. Yeah. What does purpose mean in relationship to the process? And so, and this is where we get it wrong a lot of times. Purpose means, in plain English, the design intent of the process being described in this procedure. So purpose, risk management has a purpose. What is its design intent? Another way of saying it is, what is the planned results we're going to striving for by implementing this process? Uh-huh. So the purpose statement has to be written in the language of design intent because that purpose statement is acting like a framework for establishing objectives to measure the process. And if the purpose statement is not written correctly, then how are we writing those objectives? And those objectives have to have measures. Wow, this is this is just a fundamental insight to me because it's a fund- Yeah, we need to know why we are doing something, not why? because what's the plan results. Yeah, so if so you're talking M- about risk management process, what I'm hearing you say is that in the purpose, we would expect to see why we are doing risk management in the first place. What's, what's the design intent of risk management? Got you right. And so you ha- then you have to go to fourteen nine seventy one and read that first two pages, the forward and the introduction. Yeah, and you have to figure out in the the first two or three pages what the design intent is from that standard, right? And you can use that and word it to your benefit in your procedures. So people get, organizations get the purpose statement wrong. It's so many times that we see the scope, you have scope and purpose and they're switched. (laughs) (laughs) And it's different because each of these procedures or processes are owned by different people. So there's not a standardized way of doing that. The second fundamental thing that we have to recognize is that and I, and I want I'm gonna I'm gonna make this as simple as possible and I want to apologize up front for folks that work in this field the measurement field because it's a very difficult field to work in but there are only two buckets of measurements I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to that level okay mm-hmm. yeah there's measurements of efficiency mm-hmm. and there's measurements of effectiveness yeah okay two buckets and if you go to the science of measurements called metrology metrology is the science of measurements mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's data you read the language says Hey, when we're measuring, measuring, when we design a measurement of either efficient or effective, we're asking a fundamental question. In the in the in the medical device industry, we got measures of efficiency locked down because there are these measurements are being used in production, 
and there typically counts like yield, scrap rate, throughput, uh, yeah. uh, cycle time, all those are measures of efficiency. And the fundamental question measures of efficiency is asking is, how well are we using the resources provided uh-huh. in the process to produce this output? That's a measure of efficiency. Yeah. And we have that right. Now the question becomes, what's measures of effectiveness? Yeah. So measures of effect, what is the fundamental question? The fundamental questions of measure of effectiveness is this. How well is the design of the process working to produce the output? Yeah. So we, That's we, we should know, then we should know how to measure the process, right? Right. And, the, and so where do we talk about design of the process in the procedure? In the purpose. In thing. the purpose. Purpose. Awesome. So Rick, before I open the floor for discussion, I have um, one quick question for you. Sure. As an auditor, uh, can you share maybe some kind of potential red flags that you come across that gives you like some hints in your mind? Hey, I need to explore the purpose and effectiveness a little bit more. So we're aware that as auditors, we already we we are doing there's two two stage audit, uh, documentation review or desktop audit, and then <laughs> we're going to be on site. In the desktop audit, that's the first thing we're looking at is we're looking to see a. What's the purpose statement say? B, we're looking at the reference section of your procedure. <laughs> and three, we're looking to see if there's a picture or a diagram. <laughs> Those are the three fundamental things that we own ourselves. We're not going to read the word every 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 word of the procedure, yeah. but that's what we're after. Purpose, design, intent, reference. The reference section is really important because this is where we, we are connecting the processes. So in other words, the risk process under the risk, risk management process under reference should have called out the procedure for clinical, for design, for post-market surveillance, that's connected. That You connect the processes through the reference section Got or you. through a picture. And third, the picture to understand the overall process to see the major steps. If you the major steps are in the picture, then they should be written in the procedure. That's yeah. how you do it. So some of the red flags would be if you don't see a clear description of the process, the purpose, and the references, a clear yeah, red flag is like, hey, there's a problem. So you want to explore that. So you might build right. your, and this will be a tip for, let's say, internal auditors too, True. To, yeah. to plan yeah. their examination of the risk management right. process this way, right? Correct. So Correct. excellent tips. And I know we will have a lot of conversation on this topic, guys. So I'm going to open the floor for oh, no. a conversation. Uh, those of you who have been here know, know this very well. Just raise your hand virtually. I think you'll find sort of a button at the, at the bottom right of your screen. Uh, raise your hand and please join us in our conversation. It doesn't have to be a question. It can be a comment or an observation or any insight that you have on this topic that you would want to share with people. But uh, the question of effectiveness of risk management is important because it's also a requirement, is it not, for management responsibility? It's a requirement for top management to review suitability and effectiveness. And how are they going to do that if we don't have the purpose clearly defined? Right, so I think that's a big picture in my mind. Rick, would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to have that, and then and the owners of the processes need to know that. Uh, they're by the way, the 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 purpose statement of the quality manager system is not something that we develop. That's something that's given to us <laughs> through the ISO standard and in the U.S. twenty one CFR eight twenty. And so that's and so that purpose statement, uh, you can it's to ensure that. The purpose statement for the quality management system is to ensure that the organization can cont- continually repeat or reproduce the production of the medical device that is safe for intended use, has effective performance, meets all optical regulatory requirements, 
and customer and requirements and expectations, and wherever the quality message that it the, at the location the product is being built uh, at at the scale that's being built. That's the purpose of the quality management system. So let's say, Rick. I mean, I I think just just to play this out, and as we okay. wait for as we wait for people to join us, I'm just thinking out loud here. Is uh, let's say someone looks up ISO thirteen four eighty five or QSR, and you know they just they just extract the language and put that in right. their purpose section, um, and it happens a lot of the times. It happens that we just kind of duplicate the language and we move on. How do we make sure that our people actually understand what the purpose and intent is and uh, would they know when we are not, uh, you know, delivering on that purpose? How do we make sure of that? Well, we we have to. Um, so, there's a quality policy in an organization, right? There's yeah. a requirement for the quality policy. The quality policy says it must be communicated and understood. Clearly, communication is the easy one, right? <laughs> the question becomes on the understanding of that policy, right? There is a risk policy too, is there yeah. not? Yep, should be. Yep, and so we have to communicate and understand that risk policy, what it means to the folks doing risk, but what in general, how is it attached to the bigger policy called quality policy, right? Yeah, and so how is it understood? And so one of the biggest risks to the risk management process is in training, because a lot of organizations use the concept to read and understand, and sign off on the training, and you be trained to be do risk management. And so that is a huge flag as an auditor because risk management is a complicated process. Yeah. It's a very unique skill set that's required to be able to understand it. Hey, we got the experts in this audience and they're here to further their knowledge, right, on, on this stuff. And we're always continuing learning. Yeah. But to say that you just read and understand the procedure and understand how to risk management, that's kind of crazy. So this brings up another point, right? Because I keep hearing about competence now in ISO 13485 and 14971, and they talk about competence where training is just one of the components. And what you are saying is basically read and understand, read and understood is not enough. We need to be able to know how to use that in practice. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I think risk management is one of the key processes in the quality management system. And it's also one, it's a, it's a complicated thing. Uh, we're dealing with some, some we're, clearly we're dealing with math, right? And clearly we're dealing with some hazard, hazard situation, and harm and, and severity and, and how we come up with that stuff in the reports. Uh, that's, you know, I can read a procedure and I might say, yeah, I read it. Yeah. But how, what, to the depth of understanding is questionable. Yeah. And, and are, and we, so do, are we doing it right? Are we doing it right? And are right? we doing it right? And so clearly when you have, Recalls, or you have medical device reporting, or uh, serious events happening, uh, then it doesn't bode well for both the clinical and risk management processes, right? Because we should have caught that, or yeah. we, or unless it's an emerging risk that we didn't know about, or or you know, as as we know in clause ten of fourteen nine seventy one, we would need to go back and see where did we miss it, and how can we improve our process, and that will yeah. be the continual sort of. Uh, PDCA type of an approach if you want to do. So correct, guys, uh, I know uh, we are having a great discussion. I know this topic is of interest to you. Please uh, join us. I, I invite you to participate, raise your hand, and I'll bring you on this virtual stage to join us. Uh, share your questions, comments, or any insights you have based on your experience. Where do you find difficulties in your operation when you try to look at the risk management process and figure out whether the process is effective or not? 
please feel free to raise your hand and share that as well. So Rick, let's continue our conversation as we wait for folks to join us. Uh, let me see, Daniel is raising his hand and uh, Roger, so I'll try to bring you guys on. Okay, great, so Daniel, I already have you in here. Uh, please unmute your mic and share what you have in mind with us. Awesome, thanks for being in Rick, very, uh, very good uh, information so far. Curious, Rick, so as you've been talking risk management, generally we talk about risk management from a, you know, a product perspective, but you know, there's been a big push in the past few years from like a risk management process for compliance procedure-wise. Uh, can you kind of talk a little bit about what you've seen from like ensuring uh, the effectiveness of a, of a risk management process more on the compliance side than the um, product side? Yeah, so there's a requirement that, that, that uh, in 2016, I, I, ISO 1345-2016 required 4.12B says that for the quality management, the quality management system, based on, I'm gonna paraphrase this, okay. There, the quality management system has processes and you have to run those processes through some sort of risk algorithm to determine which processes would be at risk in you being able to provide safe intent, safe product and effective product. So you have to write, you have, let's just say, um, the standard has 32 shell document procedures. That means at minimum there's 32 processes. Uh, really your quality system has in excess of 50. Of those 50, let's say there's 10 processes that that you do a risk assessment, maybe a SWOT analysis or some FEMA or something like that. It says, these are the processes that we believe will be at risk. I'm gonna give you one. For example, the FDA has always said, Kappa is at risk. Why? <laughs> Kappa's number one or number two in their investigation of being the ones that have the most problems and most 483s and warning letters issued to is Kappa. So the question becomes, well, if Kappa, if FDA is saying Kappa's at risk, the auditor will be looking at your list of processes that are at risk and those processes should be A, being audited more in your internal audit schedule, and B, should be ca called out in the management review, <laughs> and C, should have measures of effectiveness. So instead of me as an auditor looking at all 50, I'll look at that subset of processes you guys have determined to be at risk, and those are the ones that I'm gonna be looking at. Oh, that's, that's that really nice. Thank you so much, uh, Rick. Uh, let me invite Roger now to share what you have in mind, Roger. Please unmute your mic. Hi, Rick. Um, I, I was intrigued by what you said about the, to truly understand the risk management system, it's a little bit more than reading the procedure and signing a piece of paper. I think you said early on you did some training in this area. Do you have some examples on how you would train for true understanding? Yeah, so there's courses out there that are three days long that we trade on and, and we take you through all the steps and in and, and doing that. But here's the dilemma is, is that that some people say that the people working in risk management are degreed engineers. And so they don't need additional training or they've been working in quality for 20 years. They don't need additional training, they know it. The problem is the fact that you, unless you go get a biomedical engineer in today's state, but if you're uh, got it, your degree a number of years or 10, 15 years ago, uh, quality is not really discussed much in the basic uh, Bachelor of Science in Engineering, nor is regulatory, nor is risk management for medical devices. Yeah. So where where is that where is that training coming from, right? So, so I'm with you on that, and I guess I should have phrased my question a little bit better. In, let's say, that three-day uh, training that, that you give, do you do like a walkthrough example? Is that how you try yeah. to better? There's case, there's case studies in how to do okay. risk management 
you get a response, you know, you're going to have to write a plan, a report, the analysis. That's all the, 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 it's, it's like a training on uh, how to do risk management and the yeah. process. And so their emphasis, their emphasis because 4971 changed, right? Benefits risk, benefit risk ratio, uh, the P1, P2 stuff, uh, the probability tables, all that is part of, a, of the course. Yeah. Thank you. So sure. I, I think one, one important point here is that let's say you, you do the training, you know, you did pass the end of the course quiz or something, you get a certificate, but you have to continually practice too, right? Uh, we can't oh, yeah, just absolutely. say, we can't just say, hey, we did it, now we know it. And that's, in fact, that's the advantage you guys have by attending these sessions, is it not? Because we are having a conversation right. and is we are a, learning. Yeah. We are learning. We're so learning, yeah. Ongoing learning becomes very important and uh, uh, that will add to your competence. So the concept of competence to me has become very important and I talk about that a lot because training is just one component. Your experience, your skills, Absolutely. your skills, right? Yeah. Be able experience to identify. Skills. Yeah. And just so, like an athlete, you know, uh, you wouldn't go to just a training program and stop because you will never get better. You have to continually practice that. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Great conversation, guys. So again, uh, uh, all of you in the audience, please uh, uh, join us and share what you have in mind, your questions, comments, insights. Uh, they are all welcome. And we have, we still have a fair amount of time left. So uh, I would continue to discuss this topic. We talked about training. We talked about looking at, but Rick, can you share an example, if possible, of, uh, and I know you have talked about the complaint side and post-market side a lot, uh, clinical side a lot. As an auditor, can you share an example of some of the sort of red flags you might have seen and how you might have pursued that line of inquiry during an audit and how it led to you sort of uh, questioning the risk management practices? Yeah, so I guess the question becomes, so in an audit, we're going to submit an audit plan, right? Yeah. An audit schedule or an agenda. And that's a that's a negotiated uh, between the auditor and the auditee. And that audit plan from the auditor's side, we are we are that plan becomes our risk-based process approach roadmap. And so, the audit is not linear in that sense. It is a weave. We're weaving in and out processes, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's like a windy, curvy road, and with a lot of switchbacks, with a lot of uh, feedback loops back to go back to a different point. And we're and that plan is really the first thing how we're going to attack the, the the quality match system how we're going to look at it mm -hmm. now from a risk management perspective there's many ways of looking at it. you can start at the beginning right look at the procedure or uh, in, in that sense one of the ways that that I tend to look at it especially if I know the company has a good internal audit program and they've been audited to death they have large company have internal audit program, they have a corporate program, they have external auditors, the yes. regulatory bodies, and then they got the uh, BSIs of the world and TUVs and that kind of stuff. So yes. they've been audited, right? So I'm not worried about the the work instruction of that process because that's been audited. What I'm worried about is the outside of the connectivities and stuff. So I might start risk at the IFU, <laughs> information okay. for use label, where you the product goes out and there's a instruction set, it's virtual use, and I'm looking at the cautions and warnings that are in the uh, that IFU, uh, and I'm also looking to in my mind. I already know what the classification of the device is, right? Risk class. Okay. So that from the IFU, then I can go back into the risk management file <laughs> to see if what the risk management file and why that caution or warning is still on the label because 
that is a residual risk possibility that the organization has that they couldn't design out or mm-hmm. label out. Well, that's using a label to, to use the caution. And so I look at it from the IFU and go backwards to the risk management file, check to see if they're there. If it's not, a lot of times, to be honest with you, the IFU, there's stuff on the IFU that may not be on the risk management file. Uh-huh. And so now you start questioning, why is it a caution and warning if the risk management doesn't have it, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and so um, it becomes an issue from that standpoint. Uh, and so we... We look at the labeling and we look at the IFU and we look at risk through that lens. And you, so you there's begin different to, lenses. So you begin quite, to build like a sort of um, a scenario. Sh- scenario and a chain of thought. And that yeah. could actually lead you all the way back to even the design process, is it not? Absolutely. It leads you back to the design process. So I can I can go through that. Same thing with complaints, right? Yeah. Clearly, clearly, let's, let's be real. If I go into an audit and I know there's a recall or there's medical device reporting, that's my entry point. What happened, right? Because somebody got hurt or the product is not is not working effectively, then I can look at the quality management system from that lens back in and use a risk-based process approach. I that's see. That's another way of doing that. And so yeah. I can get to risk pretty quick, uh, especially if I have an MDR or a recall going on. Yes, yes. And in this light, you know, I think I would mention to everybody guys here is that the FDA's warning letters and yeah, recall absolutely. announcements are a great resource to you. Uh, one of the things I've started doing is uh, write up case studies, detailed case studies of warning letters on the Let's Talk Risk newsletter. And the whole idea is for us to process this information from the perspective of not like we are trying to put like blame on somebody or point fingers at somebody. We are trying to look at where they might have uh, been gaps in their process and how you uh, even though it may not be your device or something that you're working on, you can learn those lessons to go examine your process where there might be gaps. I think that's the whole intent. Great. Great, guys. So uh, we are almost uh, at the end of our time. I hope you guys had uh, had a good experience today. I'll give Rick uh, just a minute or so to collect his thoughts and uh, you know leave us with a couple of closing comments that we can take away with us. But what I would like to do is share with you a couple of announcements. The first one is, um, believe it or not, we have uh, finished about 25 of these weekly Let's Talk Risk conversations. They have been great. And if you are new to this uh, conversation or platform, there's an article that I just wrote on my LinkedIn newsletter uh, celebrating these 25 uh, conversations. And I have provided you links to these discussions with full recordings and key highlights. You can find that link uh, in the first comment of this event page. Uh, If you go into this event, you will find that link right away and you can go check out the past conversations and add your voice and thoughts to those if you have missed those. Second announcement I want to make is that next week, I'll be giving a webinar. Now, this will be a webinar where we will go deep into the topic of benefit risk. And I'm going to share with you some practical approaches to address benefit risk analysis of your medical devices. Uh, If you're interested in attending, please reach out to me and I'll provide more information to you about how you can attend that. And the final comment I will make is that all of you, without exception, have insights to share. This is not uh, a very planned or prepared conversation or a webinar or presentation. No preparation is required and it's very spontaneous. So all you have to do is uh, be willing to share your insights with the rest of us because that's how we learn together. 
If you are interested in joining me as a guest speaker on these conversations, just reach out to me. Uh, I'll be very happy to discuss with you your ideas and thoughts and maybe schedule something in the future. With that, uh, Rick, please uh, share maybe a couple of key takeaways uh, from our conversation today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the first takeaway, everything we discussed in this was, you know, we're risk management, this is risk management, but everything that was discussed in terms of purpose and measures of effectiveness apply to all the QMS processes. Yeah. Uh, so you have to look at it from that standpoint. The other thing is I would encourage you to go back and you're the owner of a process and look at your procedures and look at that purpose statement. Does it describe a design intent? And look at the measurements being taken, and especially processes that are being reported in manager review and ask yourself, which of these measures are really measures of effectiveness? Got it. And, and, and do a gap that way. And if you know what the purpose is, what the measures are, actually you'll be able to tell if the process is working or not. You don't have to wait Correct. for an audit to be told right. something is not right. working, right? That's the right. whole intent Correct. of it. Awesome. This was such a fascinating conversation, uh, Rick. Thank you so much. And thanks You're to welcome. all of you guys joining today. I really appreciate your time. I hope you find this valuable. So reach out to me anytime if you have any feedback or comments. How can we make this better? How can we make it more worthwhile for you to attend these sessions in the future? I'll be very happy to connect with you anytime. Thanks again, everybody. We will connect again next week. In the meantime, have a good weekend. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, guys.